Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, Pastor Johnny. Made him stand up. Amen. You may be seated again. Hope you're doing good. This is the first Sunday of the month, and it's Mission Sunday. So we like to remember first Sunday of the month to give to missions. So if you're not giving to missions, give something that helps us. You know, we, it's funny how it works, but if you don't give it, we can't give it. And so <laughs> help us to reach out both here locally, ministries here, like our calling, downtown Dallas ministry to the homeless, uh, sharing life, food for uh, and help for people in our immediate area. Also, we have ministries in Eastern Europe and in uh, Africa, South Africa. So thank you for your faithfulness. And I, you know, this is important, and he's here today, and I just want to recognize that Al Muladou had his 95th birthday this week. 95, right there. Happy birthday, Al. Still catching... As many fish as the law will allow. <laughs> and more, and more. Because, you know, he is from Louisiana. So, <laughs> so we're looking at, uh, in this, this Dream to Destiny book, and some of you are in the book, you're, you're doing the workbook and you're reading ahead. Uh, so we're looking at the 10 character tests that Joseph faces as God is preparing him and releasing him into his dream. And we all take these tests in life. Uh, we never really stop taking tests. Tests change. They're different. It's like we talk about a fourth grade math test is different than a high school math test, and it's different than a college math test. Things, you make progress and you grow, but you're still, we're, we're still trying to make more progress and learn more and grow. So we talked about, the first test was the pride test. Uh, the second, last week was the pit test. Uh, how do we survive in the pit, you know, uh, and today we're going to talk about the palace test, being in the palace. The palace test is the stewardship test. It's, it's how do you handle resources that are not your own, and how, can, how are you faithful with that which is another's. So we talked about last week that the purpose of the test is to prepare you for the promise. Do you remember that? The purpose of the test is to prepare you for the promise. So Genesis chapter 39. Now, here's the backstory. Uh, you know, his brothers have thrown him in the pit. That was last week. And now they've decided to sell him into slavery to the Midianites who were Ishmaelites. So they were descendants of Ishmael, but they were from Midian. Uh, so he's sold into slavery, then he gets sold into Potiphar's house. And so that's where he is. He's been sold into slavery by his loving family. <laughs> so, Genesis 39. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, his master saw the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and he became his personal servant, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he owned, he put in his charge. It came 
about that from that time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he owned. And the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge. And with him there was, there he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And this isn't that important for this week, but that's going to be a big point when we talk about purity next week. So this is interesting to me. So Joseph, it talks multiple times that Joseph prospers. He's successful. He's prosperous. The house prospers. Potiphar prospers because of Joseph. So how did Joseph prosper when he was a slave? Think about, I mean, how did, how did you prosper when when it's nothing that you have is yours. So we have to recognize that God's dream for Joseph is not going to just culminate. In, thir- in 13 years, Pharaoh is going to make him the number two guy in the land to solve the problem of the famine in the land. That's going to happen in 13 years. At this point, Joseph doesn't know that. We don't think that he has that much insight into what's happening in the future. But God's brought him along this first step. And if you're Joseph, this doesn't feel like God, right? I mean, his brothers have sold him into slavery. So now he's, what does he do? How do you prosper? Well, he prospered, first of all, because he was a good steward of his master's resources. He wasn't, they weren't his resources, but he was a steward of his master's resources. And so that's, that's really the nature of, stu- of stewardship. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, and, and the reality is most of us end up being stewards. If, if, if not a steward of the talents and gifts uh, that God gives you, uh, you're a steward of the resources that God gives you to use them to his glory and to his honor, all of the resources that you have. But all, all, most of us work for other people. We, we, we're responsible to other people, and they've given us a task and a responsibility. And so we have to be managers of their what they've put in our care. Even if, you, even if you are working for yourself, you're really not working for yourself. You're actually working for the Lord. So you have to be a good steward of that. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, he was faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he also is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which, you do, which is not your own? So if you haven't been faithful with somebody else's, why would God trust you with blessing you? So, so this is the palace test. And the palace test is, will you be faithful in a difficult season and in difficult times and honored God in such a way that it will move you closer to your destiny. This is, the, this is the stewardship of where you are right now. And so we always think about where we want to be, where we'd like to be. Sometimes we're not, we think, you know, I'm just going to get by here and I'm just going to push through here and I'll just, I'll, I'll just do an okay job here. Uh, but Reality stewardship is doing your best even in a bad situation. Doing your best even when you're not getting paid enough. Uh, 
honoring God with the way you work, even though they've cut your commissions or they've changed your commission structure or the boss that you work for is a jerk. It's, it's honoring God through all of that we, that we realize that we're not really working for them. We're actually working for the Lord. In Ephesians chapter six, Paul is explaining this and he's talking to, to slaves in, in Ephesus and he says, slaves be obedient to, to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of heart as to Christ. He said, so be obedient as unto the Lord, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill render service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord whether slave or free. Now, Slavery in the New Testament is different than pretty much than, than the slavery than during colonial times, chattel slavery from the 1600s to the 18, 1900s uh, that was in the Americas and the other colonies uh, is, was different where, where slaves were property. In, in, in the New Testament, most slavery was more like indentured servitude. So it was... It's kind of like your job. Uh, your job's like indentured servitude. In other words, you're trading your time for room and board. You may, you know, maybe you'll be able to get beyond that, but mostly you'll be pretty happy if you can pay room and board, right? If you've got groceries on the table, you've got a place to live, you can get the car that gets you to work, uh, that's kind of the way indentured servanthood worked in the New Testament. So you could, if you had a debt that you couldn't pay, you could, you could, and self, put yourself into slavery with the person you owed money to so until the debt was paid and then you would be free. And they treated slaves differently. Sometimes they treated them almost like household members. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't, there weren't people who treated them horribly and badly because they did, and there were. But uh, it was somewhat different in what is today, and we need to recognize that the Bible says slavery is sin, that we would know that the biblical basis for the end of slavery begins in the Old Testament, First of all, that all men are created in the image of God and all people have value and integrity. And then the law spe specifically forbade kidnapping. Kid the kidnapping anyone was the death penalty in Israel. So, so God made a statement about the way, the way slavery existed over most of the world. When it existed, it existed through kidnapping. And God said that's wrong and it's evil. And then later, kidnap uh, slavery was... Has, although there's more slavery today than there's ever been because most of it is sexual slavery uh, throughout the world. Uh, but, but the desire to, to destroy slavery was done by believers who fought against it first in England and then in America to bring about through, through uh, faith in Christ and through the love of people, they brought about the destruction of slavery. So slaves be obedient. obedient. So... With fear and trembling, in the sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, render service as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatever thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. So it's serving whatever we do in our work, whatever we are, slave or free, we realize we're not really doing it for the person we work for. We're doing it for the Lord. 
I mean, think about it. Joseph is faithful. And since he's successful, he must be faithful. He's, fa- he's being faithful in the resources of somebody else. And you think about it. Shouldn't he have been seething with resentment and anger? I mean, I mean, think about it. His brothers threw him in the pit. And then they were going to kill him. They said, well, let's, you know, let's, let's just sell him into, hey, I got a better idea. Let's don't kill our own brother. Let's sell him into slavery. Some of you have had brothers like that. I mean, and so here he is in Potiphar's house, and you would think it would be so easy for him to have a rotten attitude in this. I mean, for him to just be dragging his feet, to, you know, he had to show the injustice done. I mean, he's, he's a slave. He's not an owner. He's not a partner. He's not getting wages of any kind other than room and board. So when, you, when you're in a bad situation and you're being a steward, there's three things you got to watch. you got to watch your attitude. Because when you're in a bad situation where they've changed your wages, they've changed your commission, you gotta, you got a jerk of a boss, whatever the reasons... You have to watch your attitude. We have to have an attitude that was in Jesus Christ. The same attitude, Paul said, that although he was equal with God, he didn't see it as something to be grasped, but he humbled himself. He humbled himself, and so it often requires us to have a bit of humility, which is hard when you're in a bad situation. So you've got to watch your attitude. The second thing that's hard to watch is you've got to watch your mouth. It's hard because you want to, you want to say something. You want people to know. And so it's, we're really tempted. It's so tempting when something happens to go around and try to find somebody that's in agreement with you. What do you, what do you think about this new pay structure? What do you think about, what do you, man, hey, hey, did they kill you with the commissions, what they do with the commissions? Don't you hate that? You know, or it doesn't matter. We're looking for someone to agree with us. And so we, we, we start to complain. And so we, we, we create problems with our mouth. We, it, it, it messes up our testimony. It, it's not honoring to God. It's, it's, it's comforting to us. It's comforting to us because we don't feel like we're in the same boat as everybody else, but it's difficult for us. So the second thing is there's always a challenge. I don't know if you have this challenge. Anybody else have this challenge? Me and Nanette are honest. The rest of you are a bunch of liars. Uh, you're going to burn in hell. All liars have their place in like a fire. But other than that, uh, no, I mean, we struggle with it. And we, and we want consensus. Makes us, if, if we can gather consensus, it makes us feel better. So we have to be careful to watch our mouth, set a watch over our mouth. And then we have to watch the stewardship of our actions. Because sometimes if we feel like we're being cheated, we don't want to give our best. So we have to continually remember, I'm not doing this for them, I'm doing this as unto the Lord. I'm giving my best, not because they deserve it, but because they're worthy of it. I mean, Potiphar was this worshiping foreign gods. He was, you know, it wasn't anybody to do your best for. But he did, and it honored God, and it was noticed about who his God was and what he was doing for his God. And so we offer our best to honor God. Secondly, he, he prospered because he experienced the reality of the presence of the Lord. In the second verse, it says the Lord was with Joseph. 
the Lord was with Joseph. So he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hands. So think about where he is. So here he's in fam. He's in Egypt. He has no family, which is a mixed blessing because he's got, you know, what, 11, 10 brothers that want to kill him. And his father who loves him, but that's not a very good, you know, balance. So he's come out of this crazy, crazy dysfunctional family. Uh, He's a member of a prominent family. He's come out of wealth. Uh, And yet here he is. He's a slave. He's got nothing. He's a nobody. I mean, he's in Egypt, and Egypt is this place of sophistication and civilization, and he's just a hick from the sticks. And he's a nobody, and especially a nobody because he's a slave. But it would seem like he's alone. No family, no connections. He's on his own, but he wasn't alone. He was with the Lord. The Bible says the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Paul, in his last epistle, this is important. This is the last epistle he wrote in about 67 AD. This is the last epistle he wrote because very soon after this, Nero cut his head off and killed him. And Paul knew this. He said, the time of my approach, the the time of my departure is at hand. 2 Timothy 4, 6, he says, at my first defense... No one supported me, but all deserted me. May it may not be counted against them. Now, that's a horrible feeling, right? He said, I'm standing before the court, before Caesar. I've been charged with treason, and there's nobody there. Because everybody who's there is going to be charged with treason too. Anybody who supports Paul has a risk of losing their life. And it's enough of a risk that no one is there with Paul as he faces the challenge of whether he's going to live or die. In his first defense, no one stood with him. He said, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. He said, I experienced in that the presence of the Lord. He said, so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued, I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. This is attributed to both Mother Teresa and Rick Warren, who wrote The Purpose Driven Life. Some of you might remember that book. And this has been said by many people, but you don't realize that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. So Joseph found something of the presence of God in a way the Lord was with him. The promise we have, Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe, Jesus says, this is the last marching orders of Jesus. He tells us, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We have this promise. We've gathered here together today on purpose. You know why we've come together in community? Because it's, I'm glad you can watch online if you're watching online. It doesn't beat community. I've done Zoom business meetings. They suck. It's, 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 a, it's a substitute for real community. 
And if you can't be here because you're, you're, in not, you're not local, I understand that. You can't be here because you're sick in body or there's some other, some other difficulty, I understand that. But if you can be with the community of the saints, you need to be here because Jesus said, where two or three have gathered together in my name, there am I in their midst. There's something about the community of God's people gathered together. We experience the reality of the presence of Jesus being with us and walking among us. I believe somewhere in Joseph's life, something happened. Somewhere between the pit and the palace is where the God of his father, Jacob, became the God of Joseph. Somewhere, the relationship that he had where he grew up in this house that believed in God, that was about God, and talked about Yahweh, talked about Jehovah God, that, that he was in this house where God was honored, where God was recognized, that somewhere in the midst of that, it went from being his dad's God to his God. Somewhere it became a, a personal relationship with God where he was, it was he knew he felt, he experienced the presence of the Lord. And young people, I want you to get this. Your parents' faith is important. And your, your parents' faith may bring you to the door. Your parents' faith may bring you to the place, the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. But you have to individually say yes to Jesus Christ yourself. You have to say it. There are no spiritual grandchildren. It doesn't say now we are the grandchildren of God. It says now we are the sons of God. So each of us must individually decide to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. There was a time in my life that this happened. I grew up in church. We went to church every time the doors opened, but I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I had a good dose of churchianity. And I'm thankful for those days. I'm thankful for those times. It was a blessing in my life and has continued to be a blessing in my life. I'm thankful for the church and what I grew up in and what I learned, but there was a day that I had to lay that down and take up my own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When I, after going to church my whole life, a lot of times I didn't want to be in church. But God was still doing stuff in my life in church services I didn't want to be in. Any of that happened to any of y'all? God, God got a hold of you when you didn't want him to. And I'm glad he did. And he didn't let me go. But I had to personally decide, and you need to have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. You need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. It's the most important thing because that's where you experience the presence of God, the reality of God with us, God in us, God for us through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It says the Lord caused him to prosper. Now the master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So, so how, did he, how did he prosper if he didn't have any money? Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. Verse 3, the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. Verse 5, because of Joseph, the Lord blessed Potiphar on account of Joseph. Verse 6, so everything 
He left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him there he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. The Hebrew word for prosper means to push forward. So Joseph was prospering because God was behind him, pushing him forward into his promise. God was pushing him. God's going to do that in your life. He's going to push you, and you're like, oh, you know, God's going to be like, you're a bad husband. You need to be a better husband. He'll say, I'm going to push you to being a better husband. I'm going to push you into being a better believer. So God prospers you. He moves you forward in your faith and in your relationship with Jesus Christ. He doesn't leave you alone. Have you ever heard, you know, God loves you just the way you are? He just loves you too much to let you stay that way. <laughs> he is going to push us. The Lord was with him. Even as an unbeliever, the unbeliever Potiphar recognized that the Lord was with him. With him, like, wouldn't would it be okay if God wanted to push you forward a little bit? Would it be okay if God pushed you forward in your career? Would it be okay if God prospered you in your marriage, prospered your family? Would it be okay that God pushed you more into where he wanted you to be? See, Joseph didn't even understand what God was doing, but God was doing it anyway. You don't have to understand. You say, I don't understand what's going on. It's okay. Just say yes to God and let him do it. Do the people you work with, like Joseph people, recognize that God's with you? They maybe recognize they're, they're being... They're, their business is being blessed because of you, because you're being blessed, because you're faithful with God's resources, you're faithful with what God's blessed you with, because you're faithful with what God's blessed you with, then it's a resource for the kingdom of God. The Greek word for prospering literally means to help on the road, to help along the road, to make steady, favorable progress, or to succeed. He is prospering in his purpose and God is preparing him for the promise. The promise of Abraham. What's the promise? The promise of Abraham. That through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. God's going to use Joseph to save the world. And he wants to use you to save the world. God's got an eternal destiny that he wants to push you into your destiny. He wants to prosper you forward. He wants to move you forward. And he's causing the name of God. He wants the name of God to be glorified in the midst of a polytheistic, pagan nation that didn't know God. God was moving him into his destiny. You know, the problem with prosperity, you know how we think of prosperity? We think of money. When the Bible talks about prosperity, it's talking about the very first thing that God wants to prosper in your life is your soul. I would that you would prosper. John 2, beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul, just as your soul prospers. Even Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. God, first of all, wants you to experience the riches, the riches of the abundant life in Jesus Christ. He wants you to experience the prosperity of becoming a son of God, the prosperity of having peace, 
with God and purpose in God and hope in God and a future in God. I don't know if you understand this, but the poorest Christian is richer than the greatest billionaire. Just think about this. This blows my mind. So they found an asteroid. Not a really big asteroid, but they found an asteroid out in space. And they said, that asteroid, the material that it's made out of, it's not even made out of precious metals or anything, but the material that is that one asteroid, it's worth more than all the assets of the world. That one, rock, one random rock that's wandering around space And yet the God who made it all, who paves his streets with gold, he calls us into relationship. What he's saying is, hey guys, I want you to understand, this is not that important. This is pavement. What he calls us to is of much greater value, is much greater importance. He calls us to this personal relationship with himself so that we have a purpose and a hope and a future and a destiny. I love what Paul says in Ephesians 1. For this reason, I too, having heard of your faith, the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks to you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. He said, I want you to know something you don't know. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened and that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. God wants to prosper you and he wants to prosper you with a relationship with Jesus Christ because he wants to invite you into his family and share. Jesus is going to share his eternal inheritance with you. And you know, and what is the riches of heaven? It's God. (laughs) It's God. What's the riches of heaven? Jesus. And yet he's inviting us in. So he wants us to prosper. He wants us to know him in such a way. He invites us into his plan. He invites us into his purpose so that we will, Paul will say, I just want you to understand how rich you are. I want you to understand how prosperous you are and how blessed you are. Because if you have Jesus You have the inheritance of heaven. You have the inheritance of glory. You have the prosperity of heaven has been laid on you in Jesus Christ. So let's close with this. Are you being a good steward where you are right now? Are you giving your best in a way to honor God? Are you watching your attitude, your mouth, and your actions? Second thing is, have you had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ so that you will know and you can say, the Lord is with me. I know the Lord is with me. He promised he'd never leave me nor forsake me, and I know he's with me. God's with me. I experienced his presence today. I experienced today. I believed it. I believed it according to the word of God. But today, as we stood in worship, I experienced the presence of God. Did you? I experienced God with us, the hope of glory. 
Are you willing to say yes to God as he pushes you forward? And you'll be like, what are you doing, God? So I'm, I'm pushing you in your destiny. I'm pushing you to be a better husband. I'm pushing you to be a better wife. I'm pushing you to be a better employee. I'm pushing you to be a better believer. I'm behind you. God, he's with us. Not condemning us. He's moving us forward into his prosperity. Into him. Into him. Amen. Let's stand. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just close your eyes for just a minute? Just don't look around. Just say, I got a little problem with my attitude. Slip up your hand and say, it's me. I got a problem with my attitude. How about, I got a problem with my mouth. Then, I haven't been giving my best. I've been dragging my feet. because Because they haven't been doing right, I haven't been doing right. And I know I want, to, I want to do what honors God and glorifies God. I want my life to be a testimony. I want my life to, to bring glory to Jesus, to, to point people to Jesus Christ. Maybe you haven't had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been riding on your parents' coattails. Maybe you've been riding on the experience of church and churchianity, but you have not experienced the living Christ and said yes to him, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I say yes to you, Lord. I need to personally receive you and accept you today. Ask you, Lord, to be the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, thank you for the prosperity of heaven that has been poured out on my life. First of all, that I have a relationship with you. The riches of heaven have been given to me in Jesus Christ. And yet I have peace that passes understanding. I have joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. I have your presence with me in all things. Lord, thank you for the prosperity of your presence in my life. In Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I love you. Have a great week. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.